0: Man, Jamar, it's like it's people to this day that still like text me every day. You all right? You all right? You all right? And it's like, to some degree, when you're used to giving and not receiving, it's almost uncomfortable. But it's a good thing because you can pocket those text messages and you can document and recollect those conversations and you can utilize those gifts that people give you. And so it's just taught me a lot about. The fact that, one, none of us really know, none of us are perfect when it comes to like responding to death, Um, but it's given me a lot to think about in terms of how can I be there for my friends the way they've been there for me.
1: Welcome to the Fatherhood Podcast. I'm your host, Jamar Hudson, and you're the Fatherhood. As a new member of the hood, my goal is to use this podcast as a platform to talk about my journey as a new father, Art therapeutic, part informative, part educational. My goal is to talk about everything, from adjusting and getting no sleep, changing diapers and just hoping I get everything right. This podcast will be a space to talk about the joys, challenges and fears of being a first time father.
0: it's one of those things where, you know, I'm amazed almost every day at things that she's doing. Yeah. Um, And, you know, listening to you talk about preparing for a second child, Mm -hmm. um, I I don't even know what that process would be like right now. Yeah. I feel like Valerie and I are really starting to get our feet under us as far as one child. So having a second one come through, you know, definitely, man, I got you guys in my prayers, man, because it's a lot. You go from, you know, double coverage to single coverage. And it's like, oh, my God.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, as you know, with uh, Molly about to turn three, she's at that age where she's starting to kind of figure things out, um, at least on Arian. That's how it is with Emery. He's starting to kind of figure out his personality, the little tantrum phase. So dealing with that alongside preparing for uh, a newborn and kind of have to start over again um, it's, it's kind of challenging because I'm, I'm trying to remember like how I did different things like swaddling and you know oh, yeah. the, the, the early morning hours and the late nights. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how I both of us adjust um, with a newborn man. Does he does he understand he, he understands that there's a baby in his mom's belly. OK. And, um, you know, he started to say the name and, you know, we were, I'm fixing up the nursery. So, you know, he'll go in there and you no, know, this is baby sister's room. This is baby sister's bed, that sort of thing. But, you know, that that's also something, man, I'm, I'm curious to see how that's going to play out, you know, when when she's actually here, because he's been used to being a center of attention for the past three years and now he's going to have to share. Yeah so that is a lot of factors man um to go into preparing for 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 child number two so i'll keep you posted on how that goes
0: oh sure sure i appreciate that
1: well let me let me let me introduce you or reintroduce you man to the to the audience um i'm happy everyone to first of all be recording again and secondly to have my man silas grant join me he is a returning guest and i'm happy to have him on the fatherhood podcast um, you may have remember him from a previous episode. Where we talked about his journey to fatherhood, which was a great episode. Um, he and I have have ch- children around the same age, so we've been able to kind of grow in fatherhood uh, at the same time. Um, Salas reached out to me a couple of weeks ago and wanted to talk about something uh, near and dear to his heart. And hopefully, um, I'm just going to give him the floor and talk about it, and hopefully, it'll impact uh, you, the listener, uh, as well, uh, father recently passed away. And then obviously that is something that, you know, none of us, whether your father is, is still living or has passed on, is really prepared to deal with. But I wanted him to give. I wanted to give him a platform to kind of come on and talk about that experience, um, how he's dealt with it and how life has been, uh, in the past few months so silas you know officially welcome back to the fatherhood podcast man
0: thank you thank you for having me man i appreciate you allowing me to uh, have this conversation with you uh so my dad passed away on october 10th uh 2021 ironically enough uh jamal i was actually in hampton mm. um at homecoming right i drove down earlier that day i was oh down- you went yeah i went down i, went okay. down. Um, I got in the car uh, that day and I drove down and I got there around like maybe 2 p.m., um, went to the yard for about two or three hours, rode around a little bit, got back to the hotel. And I got a call from my sister saying that, hey, you know, dad had to be rushed to the hospital um, yeah. and he had already been in a, in a long term uh, senior care facility. Uh, and so they rushed him to the E.R., She was going to go up there, you know, no big deal because he's been going through that off and on. Uh, She called me back about maybe two hours later and was like, listen, it's not looking good. I didn't want to call you, but I just can't not call you. They're saying like it's going to be the end, right? So I jump in the car, uh, check out of the hotel, get back around midnight and 1 a.m. on that Sunday morning. He ended up passing away. So we got a chance to see him before he passed. and so. You know, uh, he had battled with dementia, was hospitalized for about four years. Uh, So we saw his decline uh, happen over the course of that four-year period. He battled with dementia for about maybe 11 or 12 years total. But the last four, you know, he was in long-term senior facilities. Uh, So, you know, I was there when he passed. He has a twin brother. His twin brother and I were the last two people to see him alive. Uh, And so, you know, it's a very eerie thing when the doctor comes to you and says, hey, listen, we got to take you guys out of the room for a minute. It looks like he's about to descend. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, And so, you know, we get that word. And then suddenly about maybe three or four minutes later, he he comes out of the the, uh, curtain and says, hey, listen, he you know, he's passed. Um, You know, it was a lot to process. uh, But strangely enough, and even to this day, Jamar, I've not been upset sad I've not even cried in this almost two-month period right so I sent you a text message and when I sent you a text I had actually taken like a three-day sort of solo retreat and I drove back to Hampton got a hotel I took some like construction paper and notebooks and I started like asking myself questions not just about that situation but just life in general what do I want to do next right Right. Um, and I started thinking through these things and it just, I could not shake the fact that my process of processing this, I was so calm. And so I text you like, Hey, I want to talk to somebody about this. Cause yeah. maybe I'm tripping or maybe it's weird, but I just haven't had the experience that a lot of people have had. And it's funny. Um, before I went to Hampton that day, um, the day that he passed, i do my daily walks. And I was up at like 6 in the morning walking, and something just told me to pray. Hmm. And I don't normally do that when I'm walking, but I just prayed. And the thing that came to my mind was pray for calmness over you and your family. And little would I know, you know, 18 hours later, he'd be passing away. And that prayer, I guess, has sustained me because I've been – calm and you know almost too regular right but i know there are a lot of people that are going through hurt and loss and i felt like this conversation uh wherever it it may go wherever we may take it i thought it would be helpful uh especially for our uh uh, contemporaries because for those of us in our early 40s we're taking care of people older than us we're taking care of people younger than us and we got to take care of ourselves yeah. And, you know, sometimes we can be desensitized to things that are happening because so much is happening. So all that being said, that's what made me reach out to you to say, hey, listen, I want to talk about this and I want to speak about it publicly because I feel like people can benefit.
1: Great, great, man. Let's actually put a pin right there, Sal. And before we um, keep going, tell us a little bit about your dad, um, the man, the father, the um, the professional, just tell us, tell our listeners a little bit about your, your dad and then we'll, we'll continue with the conversation.
0: Sure. Sure. So, uh, he passed away on October 10th. He was 81. His birthday was actually Thanksgiving. So he would have been 82 Mm -hmm. on uh, Thanksgiving. He was born in Rembert, South Carolina. Uh, his family, uh, they were sharecroppers. Uh, he grew up doing sharecropping, uh, full time as early as seven years old. So nothing beyond second grade as far as education is concerned. Um, Did all sorts of jobs growing up, ended up uh, marrying my mom uh, very early. They migrated to D.C. in the mid-60s. They settled in to D.C. at that point. Uh, He had his own uh, waste management company, a trash company. He also worked uh, for a D.C. government agency for about 40 years. An extremely hardworking, serious, about-my-family kind of guy. Um, you know, a lot of character, a lot of high values, um, believed in honesty, integrity, all those sorts of things. And, um, you know, he lived his life the way that he wanted to live it. He was very opinionated. Uh, He was one of those people when he came into the room, you know, a lot of the other men, if not all the other men kind of straightened up, you know, he was one of those guys, right? Uh, I always make this joke that, you know, had he been in the military, he would have been like a four-star general. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, that's the kind of guy that he was always talking about work, always talking about family. And I'll say this, right? He suffered from dementia. And one thing about dementia that I'll share is that um, when you have dementia, whatever it is that's on your mind, is going to come out. And so mm. for him, in his last days, that's all he talked about was work and his wife and his family. Uh, so that was a true testament to the fact that what you saw was not just a facade. It was actually in his mind, because, again, dementia is one of those diseases where it exposes you. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he was definitely a man about hard work, integrity uh, and, and about family.
1: Yeah, that's that's great man. Um, I think we, we probably discussed this when we spoke before on the podcast, but um, either way, it kind of would bear repeating. What did you take from him um, in fatherhood that you have applied um in your still relatively new chapter of fatherhood yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I spoke at my dad's funeral and one of the things that I shared then, and I'll share again here, you know, growing up when you're in the midst of it, you don't always appreciate, you know, what your parents are doing for you. Right. Mm -hmm. you think they're being hard on you and that sort of thing. And I always kind of saw my dad as this hard nosed guy. But when my daughter was born, Um, my affection, like the physical affection that I had for her was based on the affection that my dad shared with me and also my two older sisters. Uh, and so trying to figure out how do I be affectionate to a little girl? I didn't know what to do. So when you don't know what to do, you do what you know. Uh, and so the hugs, the kisses, you know, all the things that you do to, to try to bond with your child, it all came back to me. Um, from me remembering how affectionate he was to us. I mean, obviously working two jobs, taking care of five people, because at one point my mom was a stay-at-home mom, right? So Mm -hmm. you can imagine the pressure that's on him uh, every day, right? And sometimes he wants to come home and just everything be quiet, right? So you think like, hey, this is a mean guy. But then you know, at 42 years old, I look back and I look at the 360-degree perspective and I say to myself, he really was an affectionate, affectionate, loving person, and a lot of that is what I take uh, from him in terms of what I do to uh, provide an input into my daughter's life.
1: Awesome man so let's let's bring him back to um, present day and what we were talking about. You, you mentioned something that I thought was interesting in terms of uh, your your being able to pro your your process of processing uh, your your dad's passing. And, um, the fact that you haven't really cried or, you know, it wasn't really what you expected, the reaction or the post, uh, transition feeling that you've experienced, I'm I'm wondering what, what did you expect to feel? What did you, how did you expect to react? You know, I, when, when, cause we all think about, you know, and and don't want to get too, you know, down in the dumps on, on this episode, but we all think about, you know, that, that, that point where our parents, you know, we're at that age where that's the reality. Yeah. And yeah. You, you wonder how, uh, whenever you get that phone call, whenever you get that news, um, how are you going to react? What are you going to feel? So I'm just wondering, um, having gone through it and based on how you reacted, what did you expect and how is that in comparison to what the reality was?
0: Yeah. So I didn't know what to expect from myself the the process that he went through and that we went through with him as a family uh his decline which again took place over a number of years it gave you a lot of time to think about that right okay um i remember a couple of years ago again Related to homecoming, I was going to homecoming. And at the time before COVID, I would go to the nursing home and I would shave him every couple of days. And so Mm -hmm. I knew I'd be gone for the weekend and I went to go shave him before I drove to Hampton. This is maybe 2018. And, you know, for him at that point, his conversations were not always fluid, right? Well, we had a very fluid conversation and he basically shared with me, hey, you know, take care of your mom, take care of your sister's. Um, you. I'm going to go before you guys, right? And I remember getting in that car and I started crying. This was like, again, three years ago. And I knew at that point that was going to be the last fluid conversation we would have. I don't know why I knew that, but I knew that. And so from that point, I started trying to process what it would look like. Uh, my expectations were that the television shows, the music... Uh, the different sort of things that I connect to him, they would prompt me to be emotional. Um, And when it got to the point where it actually happened and I was so calm, it's funny, I even tried to kind of force myself to look at things and listen to things and I thought it would bring it out. And it didn't. And the funny thing is I couldn't help but smile every time I would immerse myself in the content that reminded me of him. Um, so and why do you think that is, man? You know, it's, I, I, I've not been able to really totally process why no. that is. It's funny, right? He was so much of a serious person, um, and he was so much of a strong person that in his final years, seeing him in the bed the way that he was, it was like watching a child, right? Okay. And, you see this person who at this point he can kind of let his guards down, right? He was much happier in his later years than he was when he was in his prime trying to provide for the family. And so the thing that I think makes me smile is that I could finally see him look at me and smile and just be genuinely happy. Like he does. He's not distracted by work. He's not distracted by trying to figure out how he's going to make things happen for the family he's looking at me he's looking at my sisters he's looking at our children and he's just truly happy so my most recent memories of him are the most recent times when even though he was suffering from a uh, debilitating disease he was also in that same period right simultaneously in a very happy state and that's yeah. what i remember about him uh, most recently yeah yeah
1: so so you knew with with uh, dementia um and I would imagine adding that with age, that there was a, a finish line at some point. Um, so I'm wondering how, with you being a father during those these past couple of years, how that helped you deal with his passing? And even in the almost two months since his transition, how has being a father helped you throughout this entire process leading up to... And after your dad's passing.
0: Yeah. So my dad uh, had me when he was 40. His dad died about a year later. Mm. I had Molly at 40. My dad died about two and a half years later. Right. So the trajectory, at least on the front side, is similar. Right. So I get up every day and I do math. I'm like, listen, she's 40 years younger than me. You know, that's relatively late to have a child. Mm -hmm. And so I've done a lot from a health perspective to try to slow down time a little bit. Right. Um, and not just physically, but also emotionally, spiritually. Right. And I want to be available to her physically, but also spiritually. Right. Uh, and So what this situation has done for me is it's made it crystal clear that I have to put even more of a focus on my family and to really establish um what the next phase of life is for us right um you know days after he passed away not even days the next day after he passed away you got to get up and you still got to be a father you still got to be a husband right yeah um so you know playing with her taking her to school getting her ready for school these are all things that my dad did for me at that age right and so now, when I don't feel like getting up and putting her clothes on or getting up and making her grilled cheese sandwich for school or whatever it may be, I'm just reminded of the fact that my dad was doing this for me. And who am I to shortchange her when he was doing it with way more pressure on him than I have on me?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm curious, how did you, uh, even if you did, um, explain to us, how did you explain the, your your father's passing to your daughter
0: we did not so she she went to the funeral Uh, she calls him grand grand she it was an open casket okay we held her up to the casket we let her touch him uh we told her hey say bye-bye to grand grand uh she said bye-bye she's got this thing where when women wear dresses she calls it princess like she calls the actual dress a princess not the person and when men wear suits, she says magic. Yeah. So she said Grand Grand has his magic on. And I was like, Yeah, he has his magic on. And so she said bye. uh she sees pictures of him from time to time and she'll say his name. Uh but I just think it was probably far too early to yeah. try to explain that to her.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I totally understand that. But at some point, um that, that conversation will happen and you know, what will you tell her? about you know her, her short time that she had with him?
0: Yeah, we've got some videos of her and some photos of her with him. Um, so I'll definitely share those things with her. Uh, my wife and I created an email account for her and periodically we put entries in there. And I've not done, I guess, the best job in recent times of really putting in entries. Um, but I have been thinking a lot about what I want to say to her about him. Um, it's just so much that it's kind of overwhelming to start. So I've got to kind of chart it out, but I do have a firm plan to relay a lot of information about who he was and what he meant to us. So when we get to that point, you know, I want to be able to document it, let her read it once she begins reading. And then, you know, whatever questions she may have beyond that, obviously, you know, I'm an open book with that, but, um, you know, I. It was funny. I was talking to some friends of mine the other day. We were just talking about life and the things that are happening in our communities and the whole idea of having family values and like a real yeah. value statement. What do we stand for? And I think I've been in deep reflection about the values that my mom and dad passed down to me and how my wife and I are trying to uphold those values. But I think it's now time to really document that. You know, the oral pass down is cool, but Really having some stuff on paper, hey, this is what we believe in, this is how we operate, um, is important. And I think a lot of that's based on what he instilled in me.
1: Yeah, man, you know, grief is an interesting thing. And it's it's fascinating to see how different people handle and process their own grief. And it's interesting in talking to you and, and seeing your I saw your clip of the eulogy you did at your dad's funeral, um, how poised <laughs> you were, which was awesome. And I'm just wondering, has there been a low point for you in the past couple of months and maybe what has been the hardest part of the last couple of months for you? Yeah. Even though you, you, you seemed to have managed it as, as, as well as someone could possibly do. Um, but has there been a low point and kind of just tell our listeners what that has looked like for you?
0: Yeah. So, uh, my office, we do an annual volunteer event at a local um, food distribution center. And so you go into this place and you, you, you and your coworkers go in and they give you the, the, the aprons, the gloves, the hairnets, and then basically you're preparing food for vulnerable people, people that have immune uh, deficiencies people that might have cancer. And so it got these customized meal plans for people. And like you come in and there's an assembly line and you got to identify this appropriate meals. And I started looking at these frozen meals and it reminded me of my dad in the nursing home. And I had a moment where I was just kind of standing there and I really was like, dag, like he's dead, right? Um, but more importantly, it was like, Dag, like these meals are going to somebody that is just like my dad. And that was a moment where I had to kind of stop and nobody noticed it, but I just kind of stood there for a minute, kind of in a zone, like, wow. And what I realized is that every time I've had one of those moments, I allow myself to process it. But then at the end of it, I ask myself a question, what can you do with this moment? And when you go to this food distribution place, you know, people do it. It's a cool thing to do. You're helping out, but they give you very strict rules, right? Like no touching your cell phone, change your gloves if you go to another room and come back. And in that moment, what I did with that was I took the experience that much more seriously, right? Dag, somebody on the other end of this package really needs me to pay attention right now because they're calling out different meals. And this person who has a lactose allergy or this person who has, you know, they need all soft food. I got to make sure I don't put the wrong food in the bag for the wrong person. right? Right. Because I thought about my dad and how vulnerable his situation was. That moment was a down moment, but it sparked me in a way where I was more motivated for the remaining hour or two that I was there. And, it was a way for me to transfer that emotion into something that was productive. So I've been to that place before I've taken it seriously, but I took it even more seriously this time when I saw the food and it prompted me to think about him, but also other people that are in his situation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm talking to Silas Grant on the father podcast. I really appreciate him being open and vulnerable with us. And Salas, you're you're a junior. Um, so obviously, you know, you've had that you know, connection in name with your dad your entire life. And I'm wondering now, what is what are a few things in terms of I want to talk about legacy a little bit. What are some things you want to continue um, to do to kind of just keep keep your father's name and, you know, his Legacy going as long as possible.
0: Yeah. I, uh, you know, I've not really gone into detail about this, um, in times past, uh, but my dad, when he was alive, he was functionally illiterate. Um, Mm -hmm. he knew the alphabet, knew his numbers, knew how to count, knew how to sign his name, spell his name, but to put a book in front of him and to have him read a sentence, he couldn't do that. Uh, and so, he was a man that was very proud of his accomplishments, uh, did not want to share that, and out of respect for that, we never talked about it publicly. Uh, now that he's passed on, um, recently I was uh, nominated to a board for an organization called Reading Partners, and they connect adults with children to help children not only increase their perfor- their performance in reading, but also their desire to read, right? And so what I'm doing now on this board is trying to raise awareness about adult literacy and the importance of that. Uh, There was a man that came to my dad's wake who worked with him, a younger man, and he's dyslexic. And he told me a story of him being discouraged about his dyslexia. And my dad encouraged him and he said, listen, I can't read at all, and I've worked here for 40 years, so you're going to make mm-hmm. just be strong, right? So my, my thing with respect to legacy is making sure that I'm doing what I can through uh, this platform I have with reading partners to be able to raise money for this organization to continue the great efforts that they're doing uh, to promote literacy, and I'm doing that, again, uh, in his honor.
1: Great, man, great. And that kind of leads me to the next question I had. I was trying to think of the best way to to phrase it, to, um, you know, be as respectful as possible. But has there been a a good that has come out of your father's passing? What has been a a positive um, that you've taken away from the last couple of months?
0: Yeah. um, I have learned a lot about friendship in the last two months. I mean, the outpouring of love has been overwhelming. Um, I take it you're surprised by that. You know, I'm not always comfortable being the center of attention. Mm -hmm. And obviously my mom is the center of attention with this because that's her husband. But yeah. In terms of my friend circle, I mean, people were really just, man, Jamar, it's like, it's people to this day that still like text me every day. You all right? You all right? You all right? And it's like, to some degree, when you're used to giving and not receiving, it's almost yeah. uncomfortable, but it's a good thing because you can pocket those text messages and you can document and recollect those conversations and. You can utilize those gifts that people give you. And so it's just taught me a lot about the fact that, one, none of us really know. None of us are perfect when it comes to, like, responding to death. Um, but it's given yeah. me a lot to think about in terms of how can I be there for my friends the way they've been there for me. Hmm.
1: Yeah, that, that, that's great, man. Um, I, I want to kind of switch gears. and I, I was thinking of some questions I asked you when I knew we were going to be talking tonight um, one of the things I want to touch on if you're open to talk about it, is the the business of of passing. Um, obviously, you know there there are things you know beyond just the emotional and physical things you have to deal with when your parents pass away. There is the the business of preparing and you know having making making sure your affairs in order and having you know dealt with that myself in the past uh, couple of years you know with both my grandparents passing away. I've, I've seen the the good and the bad of, of, of how that can go. And I'm wondering if there's any lessons you've taken away from having to deal with the, the business and the planning of, of someone passing away, especially a parent and any advice you can pass on to the listeners in that regard.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, my mom had taken care of a lot of, um, I guess, the logistics. So we were we were informed, what was it, August of 2020, the palliative care sort of department of the nursing home had told us then mm-hmm. that he was going to pass soon. We thought it was going to happen again, like August 2020. So at yeah. that point, my mom kind of jumped on it. She had already had some things prepared, but she really jumped on it then, right? So we had things in order about a year in advance because she jumped on it. Um, The one thing I will say is that we put a lot of stock into the actual day of the ceremony. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would argue that in some instances, we put too much stock into that. Um, And it's important that obviously things are paid for. And it's important that people are notified Um, But I think in in terms of the business of it, even beyond money or beyond things that have to be done, it's important for everybody to know the role that they have to play. And I think whoever the point person is being straightforward about what they need from everybody, right? Because here's what happens. People will say, oh, if you need anything, let me know. Right, mm-hmm. It's very open-ended. Um, again, nobody's perfect with respect to funerals or you know homegoings or people transitioning. Um, and what I would say to people that are trying to support somebody in that situation, try to be as specific as you can in terms of what you want to do or what you can do to help them. And if mm-hmm. you're the person that's going through it, try to identify somebody close to you that can sort out the roles for people that want to be helpful because what happens again is people say hey let me know and you might be afraid to be specific and they might be afraid to be specific so you find yourself like people are not doing as much as they could or want to do because nobody's being specific so yeah i think that's a big thing specificity is very important in terms of like people pitching in
1: yeah that's that's great advice man um did you learn anything about your dad in his passing? A lot of times, you know, we, when someone passes, you know, obviously the family gets around, comes around, you, you know, share stories, you, you bring up old pictures and some things you may not have known about your loved ones, um, you know, gets, gets brought to the forefront. I'm just wondering you and your dad had a very close relationship for everything that you share with me, but is there something that you've learned about him that you did not know um, since he's passed away?
0: Um, I can't say that in the last two months, there's been anything that's been like a major revelation. I will say a little while ago, my mom and I were having a random conversation and we were talking and she was saying basically that when they were young, that she had to manage the money in the household um, and there were times where my dad being young and, you know, running around and, you know, just being a young man was not always as responsible with the money as he needed to be. And again, as I mentioned earlier, he had me at 40. So I saw a much more mature version of him. Right. So she said it kind of like in passing, it wasn't even the topic we were on and I stopped her and I was like, wait a minute, are you are telling me the guy that I know that Penny pinch and XYZ would, <laughs> You would have to manage the money. She was like, Yeah, I would have to. And it's funny because, like, we we live in this age of social media where, you know, people are always talking about male female relationships and people are always talking about uh, what men should be doing as far as providing. And, you know, I want a man like my grandfather. You always hear women kind of say that. And those men are not always born that way right the granddad that you see was not that person when he was your age right so i learned that that you know for me i was always kind of like dang i wish i was more like my father i'm 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 reckless right but i realized it takes time to grow and you know just like i'm growing he was growing and he wasn't always the most mature person that i ended up knowing him to be and i think that was a uh a source of encouragement for me because, you know, you want to be like your your, your parents, you want to uphold their legacy. You want to, um, you know, do better than them because they want you to do better, obviously. But um, hearing that story as small as it was, uh, it encouraged me like, Hey, you know what? There's room for growth um, and, and people mature into who they become over time. And it just takes time.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally understand that. I got a couple more questions for you, Salas, so and we can wrap up and don't want to keep you too long. But you, you mentioned your mom a couple of times, and I want to just ask you about um, this is kind of a two-fold question. One, just overall how she's doing and how she's um, holding up uh, with everything that's been going on. And the the B part of the question is uh, f- advice for, for for the sake of this this podcast for, for sons, who, who may have lost their fathers and what they need to do to be there to support their, their moms or whatever remaining uh, relative is left behind. Like what have you had to do in the wake of your father's passing to kind of help your mom get through it? Um, if, if that makes
0: sense. Yeah. Yeah. So first part um, they, so he, again, he passed on October 10th, October 21st would have been their 60th wedding anniversary. Mm. Um, So you're talking about 60 years of them being together. My mom is a really strong woman rooted in her faith the whole nine yards, right? She, you know, despite all the challenges that come along with taking care of somebody in that position, she did it with honor. And she took care of him until the day – that he died. And I think her being his caretaker, it became a part of her identity. And so one of the things that I'm trying to do, and I think my sisters are trying to do as well, I know they are trying to do and Let me say it that way. is really trying to encourage her that it's okay that she doesn't have to be on post anymore. Right. Mm. Um, she doesn't have to be on post anymore, but you don't want to rush her out of that either because that was her husband for 60 years. Yeah. So, you know, you kind of want to walk with her step in step. This is the suggestion part for anybody else going through this. You know, you want to be there, you want to listen. Um, you know, I'm not ever trying to force anything on her. Like my sister, one of my sisters was laughing like, Hey, she should get a new car. You know, she should go on a trip here, a trip there but anybody that's been married that long to somebody you don't just wake up the next day and just start living a new life right that Mm -hmm. ain't that ain't it right that ain't reality so there is a mourning period and i you know we try to be respectful and take the time that she needs but also i think slowly but surely reinforcing to her that you're not on guard anymore like you can let your guard down you're not responsible for going to the nursing home every day and checking on him now you know, you can let your head down and kind of live and, and, and exhale a little bit now.
1: Yeah, I totally understand it. How has your um, father's passing, solace, you know, made you look at your own self and your own maybe potential vulnerability? Because we, we never know what life has in store for us. Um, has it forced you to, you know, obviously you're, you're making, you're taking steps with your health, but what else have has your father's passing made you do in terms of looking at your own life and what could potentially happen um, if if God forbid something were happen
0: to you? Yeah, um you know, like I told you earlier, I do the math every morning anyway.
1: Uh, yeah,
0: but uh, you know, what it's done for me is it's it's caused me to do a lot more journaling. Um, a lot more reflecting um, and it's also caused me to be more assertive um, in terms of what I want and I found myself in the last almost two months just having this jolt of energy like hey I gotta do this I gotta do that Um, and a lot of that's because I look at the fact that my dad did not have the resources that I had. Um, It's funny. I'm going to share a story with you real quick that may or may not Mm -hmm. be related to this, but it came to mind. So Hanson Howard game, we're at Audi Field. And my dad's job that he worked at for 40 years was actually like right behind Audi Field, right? Yeah. So I was talking to a buddy of ours um, who his dad is also, you know, going through some some tough times in terms of uh, health. And, you know, it's not necessarily favorable for him either. Uh, He's not Mm -hmm. transitioned, but it's just not favorable. And we're having this conversation on the field in one of the suites after the game. And the conversation, it was lighthearted at first. And then it got kind of emotional. Like he, you know, almost started shedding some tears talking about his dad. And unbeknownst to me, a month later, my dad would actually die. But we're talking there in September Mm -hmm. and we're having this conversation and I stop him. And I'm like, listen, we're college graduates of Hampton University. We're in these box suites on the floor of a game for our school. He's a full time entrepreneur. I'm doing my thing in government. I'm like, yo, this is what our dad sacrificed for. For us to be right here in this moment right and so what this death has done for me is it made me realize how privileged i was to have him mm-hmm. and you can't squander that privilege you just can't you can't do that like you gotta activate all the things you know as a result of the privilege that you have so that to me is like been sort of like the the lining so to speak in all of this. Yeah man,
1: I I I was waiting for you to keep going but I think that's, you know, that's a a great way to to uh wrap this conversation up man. I I really appreciate one you reaching out to me and wanted to talk about this on this platform and two just, you know, you being open and and vulnerable to share um you know your experiences like, you know, I reached out to you uh, personally you know just to, to let you know we've been thinking about you um and as as you mentioned you you've gotten that from a lot of people but I want to thank you for for publicly coming on and telling your story and sharing some thoughts um about your dad
0: thank you thank you I appreciate it man and um you know I, I'm glad that you have uh you know built out this platform for fathers and men to come on and talk about so many different topics that sprout out of fatherhood so this one you know being extremely fresh having lost my dad less than two months ago um, trying to navigate all the roles I play um, having this open discussion uh, I hope will lead to more discussions for those that listen to it they may have more questions I'm certainly open to talking about it um, but I hope it also encourages those who may be trying to figure out where they are emotionally with a loss and hopefully it can help them. My man, I really
1: appreciate it, Um Thank you so much for joining me on the Fatherhood Podcast.
0: Thank you, bro, again.